Welcome to Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. As SpaceX launched its Falcon 9 rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida on January 13, 2022, a group of friends took up positions on a rooftop in Kathmandu, laptops open, waiting for a signal. Inside Falcon 9 was the satellite they had spent years building, first as students and then working as engineers, Sanosat-1. The size and shape of a Rubik's Cube, Sanosat was one of 106 satellites shuttled into space on the Falcon 9, then released into orbit to begin their various missions. 500 kilometers above Earth, the first made-in-Nepal satellite is measuring radiation levels, relaying signals that can be used by amateur radio operators, and proving that Nepal has the resources to dive into space research. We were really, really nervous that day, says Sorov Paudu, one of Sanosat's creators and today's guest. We had been waiting for the launch for one and a half years. There had been delays due to COVID, and a couple of scheduled launch dates had already come and gone. The group sat on the roof, next to warming fires on the cold winter night, watching the launch online. They knew that there would be a delay after all the satellites were released from the rocket and Sanosat started orbiting. We finally caught the signal at about 3 a.m. That was a really exciting moment for us, Sorov says. Sanosat-1 will revolve in space for as long as two years, relaying data to Earth. Its makers are already working on Sanosat-2, which will be designed to carry out more complicated missions that might also include external customers who will pay to use the satellite. Sorov dreams of a day when hundreds of Nepal-made satellites will orbit above Earth, gathering important information exclusively for the country. Please listen now to my chat with Saurav Paudel. Saurav Paudel, welcome to Nepal Now Podcast. Hi, Marty. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. So this is a really interesting topic. Uh, we're talking about Nepal's first satellite in space, and it's called, it's got a great Nepali name, SanoSat-1. Um, I must admit that when I heard about this satellite, I had this vision of satellites probably from two or three decades ago, floating in space, this big body with these arms sticking out of it and kind of slowly revolving. But then I did some reading about um, Sanosat-1, and it doesn't sound anything like that. So before you tell me about, you know, the journey and the launch and all of that, can you just describe the satellite for people who might not have an idea? Sure, sure, Marty. So first, let me just uh, make clear that it's like first made in Nepal satellite, <laughs> just to avoid it from like confusion to everyone. I mean, there was also one satellite launched, uh, pushed up by Nepali government and built by Nepali engineers in Japan. But the satellite, it's completely made in Nepal. So we made it in Nepal. So that's the difference, just to make it clear. Yeah, and the satellite, okay, so everyone, when you hear the word satellite, you hear, I mean, if you think about the word satellite, you think it's really, really big. And yeah, Sanosat is, as name implies in Nepali, Sano means small. So it's a really small satellite. It's a pocket cube. I mean, the form factor is called pocket cube. And the name is given in such a way that it's like even it can even be fitted in your pocket. So the dimension, if you talk about the dimension, it's like a size of Rubik's cube. It's like one unit is like five centimeters by five centimeters by five centimeters. So it can even fit it 
in your palm or in your pocket. And the weight is nearly around 250 grams and it's really small. You can imagine 250 grams of satellite in space. Yeah, that's about Sensat 1. Wow, it's really small. Like it, the size of a Rubik's Cube is a really good illustration of, of its size. So um, it launched on, if I'm not mistaken, 13th of January this year. And, you know, obviously it's not like a big um, spaceship, you know, SpaceX taking off from a launching pad. So we're not, you know, we're not watching the, the engines kick in and the fire, you know, shooting out and the blast off. But still, were you nervous on that day when you knew it was finally going up? Were you nervous that something could go wrong with it? Or for you, was it, you know, once you'd finished building it and given it to uh, the, the people launching the rocket, were you very confident that it would take off and do its job? Hmm. <laughs> no, we were like really, really nervous that day. I mean, uh, we were waiting for that launch from since like one and a half year, I guess. Like there was some delays because due to COVID and everything. And then finally it was going to launch on January 13th. And like we had like two or three dates that were supposed when satellites were supposed to be launched, and those days were really I mean <laughs> shaky days for us. And finally they said 13th of January will be the final day, and then we were like really stressed up, and we were uh, with our ground station up, we were with our computers up in the roof of the building, and we were hitting up these fires and <laughs> waiting, watching the launch and waiting for the signal to be cast. And we finally caught the signal at nearly around 3 a.m. in the morning. And yeah, that was really exciting moment for us. Also, like when we built satellite, we were planning to make it as simple as possible. But since we were building it in Nepal, where, you know, like the resources availability is like really, really low and everything. And we were like kind of nervous as well. I don't know if it, it's going to work or not. So yeah, it was quite nervous for us. and. Our plan was just to receive a single signal. I mean, that was our success, but we received a lot. Yeah, that's great. And I can hear the, the tension of the moment when you describe it. Was it a SpaceX rocket? And where exactly did it take off from? Yes, it was a rocket from SpaceX. I'm not sure exactly the name of the launch center. So uh, the mission was named after Transporter 3 mission. Okay. And so you're sitting there and you're watching live the actual launch of SpaceX, knowing that your satellite is on there. So if SpaceX takes off okay, then you're into going into space. And then it's just a matter of waiting for that signal to make sure that SanoSat 1 is working. Yes, exactly. And during that time, I was not even in Germany. I came to Nepal so that we could like face this live from Nepal. Like I could sit with my friends and watch it live. And then, yeah, it, uh, we already knew it, like it's going to take time to receive the signal because we programmed in such a way that it, it, we have to wait for some period of time because, you know, like once the sat satellite is launched from the rocket, so you need to wait other satellites to get separated from our satellite so that we don't destroy other satellite. So we have to wait for some period of time. So that's why there was some delay in the reception of signal. I mean the signal was not transmitted as soon as it was uh, injected into the orbit. So yeah, we knew it, it's going to take time. So that's why we were waiting like till 3 a.m. in the morning and finally we received the signal. 
Wow, that's really cool. So SanoSat was one of many satellites on that rocket. And at a certain time, all of them get, uh, I guess, kind of launched from the rocket, like into space to go into their own orbits. Is that how it works? Yes. As far as I know, there were like 106 satellites. Some were big, some were like as small as ours. Though SpaceX is the rocket launch provider, it launches the satellite into the space. There was one middle company. This company gathers all these pocket cubes, like small satellites like ours, and it puts it in a bigger box, which call, which is also called deployer. So it's called pod, because satellite orbital deployer, where you put all the satellites. Once the rocket uh, reaches up to that altitude, the door of this box is open, and then our satellite is launched into the space. Wow, 100, over 100. I thought, for some reason, I had like 23 in my head. I don't know where I got that number. But yeah, that's a huge number. So, okay, you said you were here in Nepal with your friends, sitting on the roof of a building, hoping everything would go okay. Who is working on this satellite? Who helped create it with you? Um, who, who are the team members and students and everyone else who was involved? Yes, there were lots of students, lots of friends who were involved. Uh, in this project and made this project successful. We started this project nearly like when I was in th third year or fourth year of my bachelor's. It's like uh, four or five years back. And then during that period, it was like research period for us. We had to research because we had no knowledge how satellite works. We did it from like zero. We had to gather all the information, how satellite works and how all the components work. And we were a big team. And during that research phase, like there were like students from Kathmandu University, Pulchok, IOE Pulchok and other institutions as well. They did help in some part of the satellite. Yeah, and then later, uh, yeah, they all continued research on their own part. And later, like me, Zitin and some other friends, as soon as we graduated, we joined Orion Space as an intern. There was one more friend called, called Anup, so he also joined as an intern. And later, uh, uh, me and Jitan, we both involved as a as a full time engineer at Orion Space, and there were also uh, two or three more friends from other institutions who worked full time in Orion Space developing the satellites. So yeah, we were like twenty six students or thirty students who were in, engaged in the project, but later uh, four or five uh, of us were full time at Orion Space, but others they were doing background research. Wow, that's a huge team. I mean, that's that's great to hear, especially that it's different institutions involved. So it sounds like it started like kind of a school project and then a multi-school project. And then it kind of got um, absorbed by this company, Orion Space Private Limited. Is that right? Mm, actually, this project started along with Orion Space. It's not like Orion Space cast up uh, later uh, to us. It's like Orion Space and we all students, we all decided to uh, like do something like me and Jitin, we were our, we were classmates and uh, during our third year bachelors, we decided to do this project called CanSat, which is actually a satellite which can be fitted in a can. It won't go to space, but you launch it to some altitude to nearly around like 100 meters so that you know how satellite works. And during that period, we were also uh, doing that project along with Orion Space. We were also being supervised 
with Orion Spirit as well as our supervisors from our university. And after that, with Orion Spirit, we decided like let's make a real satellite that goes into space. And from that time, we were doing project as uh, Orion Space members. But yeah, during that time, Orion Space was not officially registered. Later, it was registered, and we uh, joined as an intern. Okay, okay, great. It's good to know that background. So what exactly is SanoSat1 doing up there in space, and how long will it be up there? Does it ever come back, or it'll just, uh, once it's finished its work, it'll keep floating around? Okay, so uh, first, let me just clear some of the missions that we have with, uh, with our satellite. So yeah, a SANU satellite, uh, as I said, it's really small, and we wanted to make it really, really simple. The missions that are used in the satellites, the objective that we wanted to achieve was really simple. The first objective was to measure the space radiation. Here, like the mission selection is also one of the important things that we decided to put on because the radiation sensor that we were planning to use in the satellite, it does not require any pointing mechanism. So it can sense radiation intensity in any like space. We don't need really need to point it towards any specific point, which decreases our complexity and which increases our success. So that's why we choose the radiation sensor that it measures beta and gamma radiation intensity. And then later while we were applying for uh, for these frequencies, we were planning to operate in amateur band frequency. So if you are planning to operate in amateur band frequency, we need to make, I mean, the amateur radio operator uh, needs to get benefit from the satellite as well. That's why we had to add one more mission that would benefit amateur radio operator operators. And the mission that we added was digital repeater. So that simply means if you transmit something to the satellite, it will automatically repeat that thing that you transmitted after a certain interval of time. In that way, the amateur radio operator would also get engaged. And also we could test this relay system with the same system. So it's like, let's say you are planning to send some uh, uh, data from ground-based sensors to the satellite, which is also referred as a message to the satellite. And then it will catch that signal. It will catch that data from the sensor based on the ground. And then it will repeat the same information to other ground segment so in that way you could relay the data from the sensor from one point to another point where it's not really accessible so it's just to test that as well also to benefit amateur radio operators also uh, one of the missions were like building satellite in nepal so it's like you know the resources that are available here and everything building uh, manufacturing a satellite in nepal was also one of the like target we were uh, doing so that later when we build other satellites with different missions, we could just replace that payload thing and then we replace it with another payload which does another mission and uh, we could launch more satellites with more mission feature. So it was just like capacity building and then just to know that the satellite we built here uh, works fine and we can also manufacture the satellite in Nepal. And yeah, that was the objective and some of the missions of our satellite and then yeah, the satellite is launched into uh, 500 kilometers orbit. So it's revolving around the Earth in like 500 kilometers orbit. And then uh, after a certain period of time, it the orbit goes on decreasing because of different forces and drags. And then uh, at some point in time, it comes near around 100 kilometers, which is like space boundary or at, uh, from where the atmosphere starts. And then the satellite decays and burns when it goes below 100 kilometers. 
So the satellite will burn in nearly as uh, as per our calculation, it will burn in nearly like one and a half hour, two hours. So the operation might be between one and a half hour to two hour. Sorry, one and a half years to two hour, two years. So it, it's going to go keep going for roughly eighteen months to two years, and while it's doing that, it's measuring radiation and also acting as a relay for signals for amateur radio operators, right? Yes, exactly. Also, uh, the satellite will transmit its health parameters so that we know the satellite is working fine. And this is also important because in that way, the students from Nepal and other countries, they could track the satellite and receive the satellite and receive the housekeeping data. We say it housekeeping because we housekeeping and health parameters of the satellite and the uh, they can receive it and they can like know how we can how can we communicate with the satellite and how can we receive the data from the satellite. Yeah, so that's really cool. I mean, it's another aspect of the project, which is okay. It's you built it and it's it's in space and it's working really well, but now it's it's using that um, the satellite, but also getting people interested in you know the capabilities and using it as a tool for learning. How important is that aspect of this work? That's really, really important because like in Nepal, like even I, I, I don't even say it's a specific nation yet. So, so we need to encourage young minds and everyone to get involved in this field. And uh, the only thing they can do it is interact with the satellite as much as they can and know how difficult as well as how important as well as how easy it is to build satellite. <laughs> building satellite, it's uh, similar to building what you build here in Earth. The only thing that's different is uh, the environmental factors that satellite will suffer in space, such as thermal fluctuation in thermal and then vacuum environment and uh, also this uh, vibration that's caused by a rocket during launch. And those are the factors that we need to add extra into the things that we build in here in ground. So these things are quite important so that uh, people get encouraged into this field and we can uh, increase the number of interesting people who gets involved in satellite and we, we simply increase the number of human resources <laughs> so that we build other satellites in the future and everyone knows how satellite works and so that we can also push government that it's important Field, we also need to get involved in this field. Sure, yeah. I mean, that all makes sense. And I'm also, you know, imagining some kids in some school somewhere, like some 10-year-old kid who hears about this, and he or she is thinking, wow, like there's a satellite up there from Nepal. And then, you know, you could actually help that kid come in contact with the satellite, right? Like, see how they could use that satellite as a tool. You know, I'm, I'm wondering... Are you in touch with any educational people, any schools or Ministry of Education or, you know, personally, do you know any schools or teachers who are saying, wow, come and tell us about the satellite and show the kids how they how you can contact it and see the signal and things like that? Uh, no, not after the satellite is launched, but uh, before we were launching satellites, I mean, we were also involved in this space education things. So what we were doing is we were making, we have this small uh, project or a small uh, satellite kit 
that we take it to the universities, to the schools, and teach them how to build a satellite. So the kit that we developed is the same satellite that we launched, but the only thing that differs is the uh, the, the the changeability or advancement in the kit. The, the kit is quite advanced. You can change any parameters in that kit and learn like everything's in that kit, but the satellite is like quite fixed. And then, yeah, we developed this kit and we were, we also gave like trainings in five or six institutions in Nepal, as well as we gave training in four or five institutions outside Nepal. We gave training to Pakistan, we gave training to Sri Lanka and uh, one university in US. For high, high school students, we had this CANSET kit, which I explained earlier that this project we were doing when we were third year students. And then we gave this training to some of these uh, some of the schools as well. Yeah, that's how we were engaging people into this field. Okay, okay. To me, this sounds like a just a perfect opportunity to get young people, you know, high school and even even a bit younger, like really enthusiastic and fired up about science because here's this Nepali, you know, experiment that's gone really well, and you can see they could see firsthand how it actually works, right? So maybe someone who's uh, in a school, a teacher, or someone connected with the school is listening. I mean, I would say try to make a connection with yourself and, and your colleagues and see if, if, you know, you can somehow come together. Sure, sure. Yeah, that would be great. And also, uh, I missed one thing. Uh, the satellite we built, it's going to be open source. We, we are planning to, like, share everything that we have designed from the beginning. So we will publish all the informations all these sort of design schematics, all the electronic schematics, all the uh, mechanical designs and everything, uh, and also the software codes so that they can like even look at it later and replicate it and educate themselves. This is also really, uh, I mean, important when we are in like developing countries like Nepal, when we have like really uh, less number of resources available and also human resources and as well as other resources available. So the thing is like when we get interested in one thing and we don't know how to build it and we get some tips how to build it, then that really encourages us. Like even in our initial phases, as I said, we didn't know anything how satellite works and how does it like even goes into space. And we were uh, trying to look into the documents and uh, all the papers that other about other satellites, and we were trying to gain as much as we could. Yeah, and it's really important that we share this information so that the people who get interested, at least they get like, uh, okay, we can build the satellite in Nepal. And this circuit, this design, this code uh, kind of touches us, like kind of is similar what we have learned in our uh, school so that they get like really interested into it and they can like say yes i can do it right right yeah it gives people some some inspiration and a pathway as well that's great um so now what what happens next i mean obviously you're following the satellite but are you thinking about the next step i mean this is sanosat will there be tulosat or you know medium sized <laughs> sat where do you go from here Yes, we are planning to build another satellite, but the approach now we are doing in the satellite is totally different than what we have done in Sanosat. Because, yeah, Sanosat was, we are like, 
we are we are still in learning phase and we are also learning what the satellite is currently doing and what are the improvements that we need to do i can just give an example it's a bit technical so the satellite right now what we were doing is we were not charging the batteries when the satellite is when the temperature is really negative like when it's below zero and which was right now affecting our satellite so the satellite it's not charging much right now because we developed the code in such a way that it won't charge below zero degrees celsius and yeah that's the improvement that we need to do in uh, another satellite as well that's like lesson learned from the satellite and yeah the next satellite we are doing is kind of a, of different approach sanosat one what we did is we first were planning to build the satellite and search for the funding we were not really into the applicable missions uh, that can be done in sanosat one we were just like let's make the satellite and let's uh just uh, get the concept how to build satellite and know how how things can be manufactured in nepal so the next would be we will first look into the applications and we will first look into the funders fund uh, funding organizations and we will develop mission for them we will develop some mission that are applicable for them and we will design satellites for them and also as an education wise we are also developing another satellites called samsat 2 so where we are planning to put a camera so this time we are also increasing a bit complexity than sanosat 1 where we have this camera and which also requires a pointing mechanism and which also requires a huge power so yeah in that sense we are also slightly increasing our complexity and and we have already begin uh, doing initial research into it okay yeah that all makes perfect sense you're you're building on on you know the first step now the second step will be bigger and better more ambitious and then what are you hoping for like 10 years from now say or even 20 years from now are you hoping that there's a space program or are you hoping that there are different nepali organizations private sector and maybe public sector that are somehow doing research in space what's your vision for all of this the both <laughs> yeah the both the like, i i can still see more companies in, engaging into this field more satellite being launched big satellites like providing really good information for nepal let's say um, we totally depend on our own satellite not on other satellites to gather some information from nepal and yeah we have like let's say hundreds of satellites revolving around the earth made in nepal What about uh, a Nepali rocket taking off into space? Can you dream about that or Yes, we we, we can dream, dream about it, but building a rocket is that can also be done in Nepal and some there are some students who are also engaged in this project so they are also trying to build this sounding rockets and the thing is uh, it's a bit difficult to launch a rocket from Nepal because of our geographical difficulties in everything but still we can build satellites and let's say we can launch it from other countries that uh, that have like really good accessibility to launch this rocket okay and what about the government is it important that the government support you i mean even if it's not i mean financially would be great i'm sure but even if it's not financially that they recognize the work that you're doing and that they talk about it and and are very positive about it does that matter or governmental support is actually important but we, we we didn't get any support from the government but we could still do it because it was just one satellite 
if we are planning to launch more satellites in future, the support from government is really important and we need support from the government uh, for the projects that we are doing for Nepal and we are doing from Nepal. Right. And I saw also that on your GoFundMe page, you had a few examples of media coverage, but there wasn't, honestly, there wasn't a lot. Are you disappointed that this didn't become kind of a bigger deal in the public imagination and the public sphere that more people haven't been talking about this satellite, made in Nepal satellite, getting into space? Mm, these things, I think it's because that's what we were planning to do. What we did is like we were planning to uh, share this information to media once we uh, launched the satellite. To, uh, we didn't want to uh, invite more media person and like let them... Uh, share this information uh, just before we launch the satellite because we were kind of afraid that our satellite is going to work or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why we were like really quiet. But yeah, there were some medias. They also covered our stories. And later after we launched satellite, yeah, we gave these stories on a few medias as well. Okay, okay. Well, let's hope that maybe someone sees this from the media and contacts you again and you get even more coverage. I, I mentioned that GoFundMe page that I saw that has a really good um, description of the work. But I also saw that you're, you haven't reached your fundraising goal as far as I know yet. Is that something you're still doing? Are you fundraising still? No, and yes, uh, now we are planning to st stop this fundraising campaign because uh, the fund we raised is like, let's say, uh, it was nearly around 10000 I guess, $10,000 $10, or euros, I guess. And all other monies, it was invested by our CEO, Rakesh Sandraprasadati. So what he does is he works here in Switzerland and from all his income, he just saves some percentages of it and uh, use it for the loans. So that's what he did. Yeah, as I initially said, uh, the approach we were doing for the satellite was quite different than what we are planning to do next because we were first planning to make satellites and search for the funding. So that's how we started the, this funding campaign a bit late as well. And yeah, we were not able to uh, receive all the fund that we require. That's why our CEO, he had to put money. And yeah, we will also for sure launch funding campaign for other facilities. What we were planning to do is let's also develop some testing facilities that can, that the people who are building satellite in the uh, future can also get involved in and can also test their satellites. And we are also planning to launch some funding campaign so that people can put money and we build these testing facilities and testing laboratories uh, so that everyone can get involved. Okay, so at the moment, there's no way for people to, to donate if they're interested, but stay in touch with your work. And you should let people know um, when you get to the stage that you are looking for more funding. Yes, I think the fundraising campaign is still open and we are planning to close it in like nearly a month. So we will close in a month. Okay, okay well, this has been really interesting and um, thanks a lot for describing the project and, and you know, the work that uh, went into it and then the future work that you're hoping to be able to do. For the people who are listening to this, like just focus on what you're trying to achieve it. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you're going to make it for this year. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and uh, I'm glad you reinforced it that you had this kind of dream, what, five years ago now, or maybe even longer, 
and you know it you did achieve it right it's in space it's doing what you set out for it to do it was a success and it took it took a lot of time and i'm sure a lot of work but um i guess it paid off right yes it paid off and one more thing that i want to thank like everyone who involved in this project and everyone who made this project success like i want to thank everyone and also thanks to you for inviting me here Oh, my pleasure. It's a great story. Um, I'm really happy to to spread the word and hope some people, you know, get really interested in in it and maybe contact you for some sort of follow up. So best of luck, uh, you know, for the next 18 months to two years. I hope everything goes well with Sanosad One and then with your future projects as well. And I'll try to stay in touch and keep up with your news. And uh, maybe we'll have a chance to talk again sometime. For sure. For sure. That would be my pleasure. Thanks again to Saurav Powdle for sharing the story of Sanosat with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow, like, or favorite Nepal Now on your podcast app so you don't miss a conversation. Use our social media accounts to let us know your thoughts about what you hear. We're Nepal Now or Nepal Now Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I'm Marty Logan. I produce Nepal Now, and I'll talk to you again soon.